0: Today we, we wrap up our uh, series on everyday discipleship and so we've been um, journeying through um, this series since about February and I love the story that we get to end on today in John chapter 4. In fact it's one of my favorite stories in all the scriptures. And uh, you know we could, we could look at this story, I was talking to Douglas on Thursday, we could look at this story from so many different angles and all of them are amazing, all of them are are, are powerful. But but this morning I want us to to, to come at this scripture and to look at, at Jesus from this angle. Look to look at him from the angle of, of how he interacts with people who do not yet know him personally. And so in the, our series the the whole purpose of us talking through everyday discipleship is is for us to, to look at Jesus so that we can follow him so that we can imitate him. And, and this morning I want us to, to look at Jesus and and to, to learn how he interacts with people who don't know him personally. Is it hot in here? Is it just me? Can someone find an AC and just crank that thing way down? And uh, I, I think there's a unit back in this kid's space and back in the room, if someone could just take care of that, Kasia uh, or the rest of us are gonna die if, if we don't. And so um, thank you guys for your patience. Um, we're really testing you to see, uh, you know, if you're, if you're really with the Lord, how much you'll sweat for the Lord this morning. Um, no, but, but, but I want us to, to see it from the angle. One of the things that I love about the scriptures, one of the things I love about what happens when we, when we open the word is that, is that God has this ability to, to speak into our situations, to speak into our questions and our circumstances uh, in a way that I never could. And so I'm not telling you, you know, if, if, if you hear something this morning that is, is different than the direction I'm taking it, I'm not telling you to dismiss those things. In fact, I'm telling you the exact opposite, to let those things into your heart, that this is the way that God so often works, that, that, that he speaks the things that we need to hear. But I, but I do hope that we will not miss this, this beautiful angle of, of looking at Jesus and how he interacts with people that are not yet Christians. So I want to read our text to us this morning, uh, starting in John chapter 4. It's, gonna, it's a little bit lengthy. Uh, But there's something really good about us kind of hearing this story together. Some of you have never heard this story before. Some of you are very familiar with it. And uh, I just uh, invite you to to listen to these words. John chapter four, starting in verse three. Yes, yes. The Lord is with us. Uh, John chapter four, starting in verse three. It says, so Jesus left Judea and he went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus listened to this. Tired as he was from the journey, he sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Jesus' disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Or Your translation might say they they do not use dishes that Samaritans have used. Jesus answered her in verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. And I love verse 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared in verse 26, I The one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and they made their way toward him. go down to verse 39. And many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two more days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is a savior of the world. This is the word of the Lord from John chapter four. There's so much good stuff in here, and I wish we had you know, two hours. You don't wish that, but I wish that, that we had two hours to just go in depth and look at every you know, word and, and detail. But I wanna just kinda give us four insights into this story this morning, four insights about Jesus. The first is this, I want you to notice that Jesus's presence precedes her. Jesus's presence precedes her. Did you notice in, in verse six that, that Jesus was sitting down at the well even before she showed up? That he was there, he was waiting. I go, had he, had he planned on meeting this woman this day? Was Jesus that specific in his ministry? Or was he just tired and thirsty from a long journey in the Middle Eastern sun? We don't know, the scriptures don't tell us, but what we do know is that Jesus made the most of this opportunity. We're gonna speak into this in just a minute, but I want us to think about this idea of his presence preceding her, his presence preceding us. You know, truth be told, I, I don't fully know how God works. I want God to be predictable. I want to make equations out of scriptures. I want stories like this to be prescriptive instead of descriptive of Jesus. I wish I could say to you, hey, if you want to know exactly what Jesus is like, go to the, the modern day equivalent of places that you get water and he'll be waiting on you. Like, I wish it was that easy. I think what is significant about this story is that there was something that was ready in this woman. That there was something that was open. There there was something that was in her that was receptive for Jesus to speak into her life this day. And the reason I mention this is because I want us to see that, that when she was ready, when she was really ready to encounter the Christ, when she was willing to let him speak into her life, Jesus was already there. He was already waiting, he was already prepared. And I go, many of you, you come into this place this morning and, and the place that you find yourself, if you could kind of peel back your heart, if, if the rest of us could, could see into your life that there are some of you this morning and, and you're, just, you're so ready and, and willing and wanting for God to speak into your life, that a lot of times we're fearful of, of God speaking because when he starts speaking, it means things change and we don't like for things to change and we're scared of what, what happens. But some of you come here this morning and, and the, the, the cry of your heart is that God would speak in your life, that there's this openness, there's this receptivity deep in your heart and you go, man, I want Christ. And what I want you to know is that if you come here this morning and you're willing and you're receptive, that Christ has preceded you, that he's here, that, that he's waiting, that is ready, he's willing to speak. Jesus' presence precedes us. The second thing I want us to think about this morning is that Jesus presses in to her pain. Jesus presses into her pain. Jesus is having this really interesting conversation with this woman. For those of you who are super spiritual, you really like verses 7 through 15. Jesus says, will you give me a drink? And all this metaphoric language. She says, uh, I can't give you a drink. Jews and Samaritans don't associate with each other. And Jesus looks at her and says, if, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you, you would ask for him and he would, he would give it to you freely. She said, how could you get this water? You have nothing to draw it out with. And it's just this conversation. And I can just imagine this, this woman talking to Jesus and she's so confused and I'm reading this, I'm going, Jesus, why are you so dang confusing? Why do you spend the the whole first part of this conversation like talking about this this language, this thirst, this water? Why are you you doing this? And then did you notice this this pivot, this shift almost in the the middle of the conversation in verse 16, he's talking about the well, he's talking about this thirst, he's talking about water. And all of a sudden he, he looks at her in the eyes and he says, go call your husband. I have no husband. You're right. You've had five husbands. The man that you're living with right now, he is not your husband either. Do you notice immediately that she changes the subject? I love what Carly said, she pointed this out, that that Jesus starts pressing in and she starts, she wants to talk theology, She, she changes the subject. I want us to talk about this for a minute. I don't know if you've ever read this story before, maybe you have, you know, I've, I've heard this story before, I've read it before. Uh, for a lot of my life, I've, I've viewed this woman as, as promiscuous, as scandalous, as, as she is the problem. And the reality is that, that we have no idea what her story is with all these men. Maybe she had been unfaithful five different times. Or maybe she had married some really crummy guys that used her and divorced her. Or maybe she wasn't able to conceive and she agreed to to quietly let her husbands remarry so they could have children. You see, it changes the way that we might see this woman. Maybe she's noble, maybe she's not. We don't know. But what we do know is that there was most certainly pain from the path that she had been down. I was talking to Douglas on Thursday and he, you know, he said that, that there's no way that this girl, like as a little girl thought that this is the way her life would be playing out. None of you ladies in this room as a little girl grows up and, and dreams of, of getting married and divorced five different times or living with a man that's not your husband. You know, it's interesting, my little girl, we were driving yesterday, went to the pool, we were driving back home and, and Finley is talking about uh, getting married. And I'm like, you're three years old. Like, Court's like, we're not talking about that for a long time. She was like angry that Finley even mentioned that. Like, and, and I just thought that that's interesting as there's something in there that, that so often we, we, we picture our, our lives and what we think they're going to look like, what they We we think about what what our lives are gonna look like. We think about what what our lives are gonna be like in their 20s and 30s and 40s and yet so often we, we find ourselves just like this woman where life has just not turned out the way that we thought it would. Why does Jesus speak into this place of pain in her life? To show her that he knows her? That he wants to make time for her? Here's a very interesting detail. Did you know that women did not go and draw water in the heat of the day in the Middle East in the first century? It was not common practice for, for women to go at the, the hottest time of day to do this. They would go early in the morning, they would go at night, and yet here is this woman doing just that. Was she avoiding the crowds? The gossip? Had she been shamed and separated and shunned from society enough that she finally got the clue that she wasn't welcome or wanted? Why does Jesus put his finger on one of the great sources of pain in her life? Show her that he knows her? That he isn't polarized by her? Or perhaps something else? What we do know is that it was a great source of pain and Jesus goes right into it third thing I want us to notice in this story is that Jesus points this woman to himself he points this woman to himself you see this in verse 25 and 26 where the woman said I know that Messiah I know that he's coming and when he comes he will explain everything to us and Jesus says to her I the one speaking to you I am he there's so much rich stuff here. There's uh, some things I want us to just think about for a minute. That, that the first is this, that, that she knew that she was in need of a Savior. That she was looking forward to the Messiah, the Savior coming for her. Despite all the things that she had been through, she still had a heart. She still had, ha- had her heart set that when God came near, things would be okay. So often when when life beats us up, when people hurt us, when circumstances hurt us, when we bring hurt on ourselves, living with the consequences of our own choices, I was reminded this week that so often we, we do not set our eyes and our hope on God in these moments, that so often when, when life beats us up, when the place we find ourselves, we, we so often, we turn from Him. We think He's punishing us. You ever been there? We think that we deserve to be punished because of our own choices, our own actions. And so often we quit looking for Him. We lose hope. We run, we try to escape. And yet I love the nobility of this woman. What I so appreciate about her is that despite the path that she's been on, despite the pain that has come into her life, she's still looking for Messiah. There's something in her that that knows she needs and longs for God to come near to her. Here's the other piece of this that I want us to notice. I love that Jesus reveals himself to her. The journey that Jesus takes her on brings clarity about who he is and what he has come to do and what he has come to do for her. He doesn't just keep stringing her along in the midst of a journey. No, at some point in the journey, she discovers Jesus. And, and I hope that, that, that those of you who come here this morning and, 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 and you feel like you've been at this, the woman at the well with the Lord for a long time and there's just cloudiness and there's just clarity and there's just metaphors and there's been no breakthrough. There's been no solidification of Christ. There's been no change. There's been nothing. And my encouragement for you is that, that this is what Christ does. And if you find yourself in a cloudy place for the Lord, if you find yourself in this place where, where you're not quite sure or, 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 or you, you find yourself in, in, and you want God, but, but he doesn't seem to be coming through, like there, nothing seems to be changing, I just encourage you to, to stay in his presence, to stay at the well, to keep seeking him. I believe this is one of the things that, that is so true about, about Jesus, so descriptive of who he is, that that when we seek him, we find him, we stay in his presence, he reveals himself to us. The fourth thing, the fourth insight is that that she becomes a proclaimer. She becomes a proclaimer, verse 29, she says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and they made their way toward him. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony many people not only hear about Jesus this day but become believers in the living lord because of this woman and I go how how, how did this happen like here's this woman and just living with this just insurmountable amount of pain Going through the, the normal rhythms of her day, she, she's just doing the things that she always does. Drawing water, bringing it back for her family to, to wash with and to drink from. And, and, and she finds herself in the middle of her day having this moment with Jesus and, and Jesus speaks into her life. She has a, this space, this willingness, this receptivity where she's willing for Jesus to speak into her life. And then Jesus speaks and then all of a sudden she becomes this incredible like evangelist people that she had been running from, avoiding. She finds herself in the middle of town going, you've got to meet this guy. I've discovered something, I've found something. There's something about Jesus. Could this be the one that, that, that you are looking for too? How did this happen? She discovered in Jesus that Jesus knew her. She discovered that in Jesus, he was in fact savior. She discovered in Jesus that he was the one that she'd been looking and waiting for, that her life and her heart had been crying out for for a long time, that Christ was it. Christ was it, Christ was it, Christ was it. For those of you who come here today and and you do not know Jesus, he's here with us. He cares so deeply about all the pain that's in your life all that you've been through. And he wants you to know him. So you don't have to go through hard stuff alone. So you can know peace in the midst of storms. And and one of the things that I hope you discover in this body is that, and hopefully this won't be a stretch for you to understand how much God loves, how much God cares about you, that that in this body that that there are people that you, you let them in on your life and their hearts will break, I guarantee you. Standing in my kitchen on Friday and my wife lets me know about a family here in Nashville and the mom of, you know, young kids just gets diagnosed with stage four liver cancer. I find myself just losing it, just on my knees, weeping. And there's so much pain in this world. And one of the things that I, that I hope that you, that, that you work up the courage to do is to let people in this room, uh, people who believe and who follow and who love Jesus, who will love you, that you let them in on your life so they can care for you. And it will not be too much of a stretch to believe that the God of the heavens cares when you see care in people's eyes. God is aware of your pain. He wants you to know him. That your life and your story, no matter how you thought it would turn out, is turning out very differently than, than you wanted or thought And your pain. And what you need to know is that, that you have not been discarded. You have not been disar- discarded by God. That your life is not over. Your life is not wasted. That God can redeem any life. That God can redeem your life. He can restore your life. He can even use your life to bring much hope to many people who do not have it. And the reason Jesus can do this is not just because he's compassionate and kind. He is compassionate and kind. The reason that Jesus can can do this, set this free woman in John 4, this woman free in John 4, the the reason that that Jesus can can bring about freedom in our lives is because he is Messiah, because he is Savior. I love that Jesus was willing to to drink from the cup that that she was drinking from, even though it meant that, that he would be unclean, it meant that he would be cut off in a sense. That Jesus was willing to drink from her cup so that she could be included. And Jesus Christ has come to this world separated from the Father to take all of our sin, to take all of our shame, to take all the things that are unclean about us, to take all the things that have separated us from God, and He took them on His shoulders. This is why the cross is, is crucial. This is why the cross is going to keep being talked about for, forever and ever, not just in our church, but hopefully uh, for, for the entirety of, uh, of our journey, that, that, that Christ has come to die for us. To die for the things that have brought us shame. That Christ has come and he experienced pain himself. That he has come and he's done this. So that when you and I are, are ready and willing to let Him start speaking and moving, let Him in our lives, the only thing we'll have to do is turn and believe. Then we have to spend years Just showing up at church. We don't have to spend years reading our Bible. We don't have to to spend our lives proving to God that we're in this. That the beauty of what Jesus has done is that He said, whenever anyone is willing to receive this free gift, this this life, this abundant life that will satisfy the the deepest longings of your heart, the only thing you have to do is receive it. (laughs) To repent, to step into this amazing life with Christ. And for those of you who are not believers, don't sit around and wait. You don't have to wait. You don't have to prove anything to anyone. If, if, if you want Christ in your life, if you want to know Christ, if you want to walk with Christ, if you want forgiveness, if you want to, to know what it li- to, to feels like to live a life out from under this cloud of shame and darkness, step into life with Christ where there's freedom. This woman discovered something in Jesus. She goes to, to the town. She goes to the village and she says, come hear a man that's told me everything I've ever done. I'm going, just, just hear that in our context. That this woman was so confident that, that what Christ had brought into her life, that the thing that brought her most pain, the thing that she'd kept hidden for so long was now this thing that she airs to the public. She's not afraid anymore. She knows that Christ is forgiver, that Christ is redeemer, that Christ is savior. For those of you who are not Christians, step into this life, come to know this Christ. Your heart will be changed. Your life will be changed receive Jesus as Lord. For those of you who are believers, let me give us three quick observations about the ways that we can learn from Jesus, how to interact with people who don't yet know Jesus personally. The first is this, the potential and curiosity. I know I'm giving you lots of lists today. Sorry about that. The, the potential and curiosity, lots of peace. I have every excuse in the book. That why I'm not fit for evangelism. And so do you. Every believer in here, we have great excuses. I, I don't ask questions as well as Amos and Ann do or I can't work a crowd like Kelly and Garrett can. I'm awkward in conversations, in social settings. I'm too busy. I'm tired from work. I have an impediment. And on and on the list goes about why we're not cut out for for evangelism. And the question that I want to just ask us this morning is, is, is do you want in your life to help people come to know Jesus? Do you want to in your life help people come to know Jesus? And if you do, let us move past our excuses and our fears and to lean into this, the potential of curiosity. And maybe someone much smarter than me could point out a, a beautiful formula below John chapter 4 for evangelism. But but it just hit me this week. What if it's as simple as this? What if it's just being curious enough? Do you notice that Jesus just simply asked this woman a question? I wonder if one of the things that God has given us in questions is, is, is just a, an indicator to, to see if people are willing and wanting to converse with us. Jesus just asked this woman a question and then he learns, he discovers that she is interested in a conversation with him, the potential of curiosity, not to be nosy, not to be rude. But I wonder if we make this hard, I wonder if we make this harder than we think. Are we willing to be curious? Are we willing to care about people? A lot of times my answer is no. I'm standing in line at at Jets and I just want to get my pizza and I don't want to talk to the person behind me and I don't care about what's going on in the cashier's life. I'm tired and I just want to go home and eat the pizza. Or I just want to go for a run or I just want to go whatever it is. But what happens when our curiosity starts moving? we start to notice people. I wonder why they're not smiling. I wonder why they are homeless. I wonder why my coworker never wants to go to lunch with us. I wonder if my neighbor's lonely. The potential of curiosity. The second thing is the power of a question. Will our curiosity lead us to ask questions? To a stranger, how's your day been? They say terrible, how come? They say good, how come? To a coworker, hey, would you wanna go to, to lunch with us sometime? To a neighbor, Would you wanna come over for dinner one night? To someone that you meet at a restaurant or a bar or a coffee shop, what should I try? Do you have suggestions? Potential of curiosity, the power of a question, what you discover about people, should you be willing to ask? The third thing is this, the person of the Holy Spirit. Christ is always with you. Jake and I were talking about this two weeks ago, that that for those of us who are, are Christians, that Jesus Christ is always with you. And he will give you words to say. And this is not me having a cop-out answer. It's just true. There's no way that I could ever give us one question or one phrase that will work with every person that we'll interact with today or this week or the rest of our life. The truth is that everyone we meet is different. They're all going through different things. And the promise is that Christ is always with us and that he will give us what we need. And sometimes we're gonna mess it up. And sometimes we're gonna ask bad questions. And sometimes, and that's okay. But what about the times that we ask questions and we discover people who are willing to have conversation with us? I was reminded this week that that many times people will let us in, people will let you into their real lives, their real pain, just because you're willing to listen. Most of the time, my eyes and my heart are too closed to notice people here's what I love in verse 35 Jesus says this He says to his apostles he says this to his followers he says open your eyes and look at the fields they are ripe for harvest just look around you this city is waiting full of people who do not know Jesus personally will you bring them Will I bring them? Will you care? Will I care? We're going to take communion here in just a minute. Chris is going to get back up and, and lead us. And, And I wanna invite you, if if you're not a Christian, if you wanna give your life to Jesus today, if you just have questions, there are gonna be some some men and women at the back of the respond banner and and we'd love to talk to you about any questions that you have. Or if you come here today and and you just need to confess or you just need to to share and and you didn't come with anybody here and we we will keep your things secret. We're not gonna share the stuff that you share, but if you you need prayer, if you need help, it's what we're here for. It's what our team is here for. You can come to the back. For the rest of us, as we take communion, As you eat the bread, as you drink the cup, I encourage you to to share with each other. To share with with the people that you're sitting around uh, your struggles with with this. Why is it hard for you to to care about people? What makes it difficult for for you to, to notice people and to be curious and to name those things and to confess those things and to pray for each other? If we take the breads, we drink the cup, we're reminded that Christ has done everything that needs to be done in order for us to be saved. So we're not sitting here going, man, are we saved? Are we not saved? We're going, no, we are saved. God, help us live into our salvation more. And then I encourage us, I challenge us this week to, to, to each morning, before we go to class, before we go to work, before we go to whatever it is that we're doing, to, to just pray the simple prayer, to ask God, open my eyes to see people today. Open my eyes to see people today. That we get to be a part of this. That our walk with the Lord doesn't stop on Sunday mornings. What a joy, what a gift. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your faithfulness, for your your goodness. If I said things this morning that are not true, that are distracting, that are not of you, Father, forgive me. I'm so in need of your mercy always. um, But the things that you've spoken that are true, God, let us live into them with you, Jesus. Don't let us um, go out and decide what we're going to do ourselves. Let us listen to you and follow you, take our orders, take our our, our cues from you. Would you bring people into our our lives this week that that will be like the the Samaritan woman that that because of your work and people's lives that we will meet, that whole villages and whole towns and cities will be changed, God. But, but if, we, if we just have enough curiosity to, to just notice people this week, that is, that is amazing. To show people that we care, what a great posture of, of a great reflection of who you are in us, God. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the empty tomb, Jesus. We are nothing without you. Um, give us revelation and insight and clarity. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.